Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, guys, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, as always, presented by our good friends over at Scentlock. I'll tell you what what really changed my mind about Scentlock was their carbon technology um, and, and the way that it will, will help you cover up and, and, and eliminate your odor to get you more successful days in the field. Guys, go check out Scentlock because they have an incredible lineup of products to get you all the way from early season to late season. I have a special guest on, Mr. Brian Butcher. Brian, how are you, man? Hey, I'm good. I'm I'm excited for season. I feel like we're uh, right around the corner. Oh yeah, man. I I tell everybody, you know, I I really get fired up um, for whitetail hunting in Kansas about Halloween, uh, maybe the thirtieth, and uh, but but really that Halloween weekend, man, it just starts kicking off. Yeah. Yeah, the uh, action is just starting to pick up. I talked to a couple of buddies that were actually out in the woods uh, yesterday, and they had mentioned starting to see a couple of bucks, you know, chasing the does. The does weren't having it, but it's like the bucks are starting to get ready. I feel like this next week could uh, could uh, turn out pretty interesting. Yeah, I uh, I was actually down at at, uh, at at Liberty Ranch there in Oklahoma hunting, and uh, – it was a week ago and I saw a buck full on chasing a doe and I was like, man, that's a little early, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I mean, Hey, it happens different every year, but no, I, ever since I guess three years ago, it was the morning of the 30th and, uh, and right at first light, I kicked off a grunt and I had a bucket my underneath my tree stand at first light and I ended up shooting that buck and and so now really the 30th, 31st of October has really become my favorite time to be in the woods, especially in Kansas, because, you know, I mean, uh, you're only, what, an hour, hour and a half from me. Um, yeah. When the rut really gets kicked off, it's it's actually hard hunting just because the bucks are going nuts, you know. Um, it's chaos. It's, yeah. I mean, it's it's literally, it's insane. It's so fun to be in the woods, but it's so hard to nail one down. Um, just because they're they're running rampant. I mean, they're going crazy. Yeah. Um, and, and they're so hot on does that that your your grunts and your rattles that they could care less, you know, because they're yeah. on a, a doe already. Um, but really, that that pre the the pre rut in Kansas is my favorite time to hunt, man, because grunts and rattles they respond so well. Um, I'll run a couple decoys and 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 they respond really well to decoys because they're just getting fired up, but the does aren't ready yet. Um, and so it's, it's the perfect time for me, at least. I, I don't know what experience you have there though. Yeah. I mean, I used to, 
always believe in that October lull, but uh, as years have gone on, I, I feel like the lull isn't really a lull. It's just a transition period. And I'll be the first to say I had two incredible hunts last October. I didn't get the buck I was after, but you know, I observed him. I made some different moves and he survived the year last year. And uh, it was October 23rd and October 30th. It was, uh, one week apart on both of those hunts, but the buck was kind of doing the same thing where he's kind of coming from where he's bedding. The does are coming from a different direction. And I was able to kind of catch him there in the middle at a food source. And, uh, with him alive, I haven't had many pictures of him this year, but I feel like, uh, you know, be best to be in the woods this week. The temperatures aren't uh, too appealing, but they could be worse. Well, last year in October, man, you know as well as I do, we had that crazy cold snap. <sighs> it was. I mean, it was. It was the best my- October we've had. Oh my lord! I I remember going out and uh, and I got and I was hunting a blind, which I, I really don't enjoy doing, but um, I was hunting in a blind and I unzipped the windows and there was a giant bedded down like 40 yards from me. And I'm like, Holy cow. And, uh, <laughs> and I told my wife and, and really the, 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 the backside of the cold front was going to be incredible. And, uh, and it was like on a Tuesday and Tuesday mornings just really don't work out for me to hunt well, just because of, you know, the wife's schedule and, and, uh, getting the kids to school and stuff. And so I was like, well, I better not go, you know, I, I, I just better not do that. I need to save my time for the rut. And, uh, mm-hmm. and I had my number one hit list buck on the camera that Tuesday morning. And I was like, you Come gotta on. be kidding me. <laughs> but, but that's the best advice I can possibly give anyone is October is a hard time to hunt. I mean, it's really a hard time to nail down, uh, bucks, but if you have a cold front come in October, be in the woods for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that was probably as long as I've lived in Kansas, that was the earliest I had ever seen that type of cold. Um, I mean, it was snowing in like 30, you know, in October. And I was like, this is insane. Yeah. And I want to say it was a fairly early snow in October. I mean, it yeah, wasn't. I believe it was probably. Day, but... Yeah, I believe it was probably 16th to the 20th, somewhere yeah. in there. Late yeah. to mid. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just watch the weather in October. Some people completely write off October. Uh, but watch the weather in October. And if you get a cold front, be in the woods. I mean, that's just the best I can tell you. Now, we got way ahead of ourselves. I mean, just to back up real quick, I know we're jumping around, but I mean, you mentioned the difficulty of hunting the rut. I mean, that's when, you know, if you've got a buck on camera or, you know, you know he's in the area, I think you got to try to get him before the rut because it's just as likely that he he bails and, you know, goes off to the neighbors and chases some other does or something. Not yeah. to say they all do, but... Uh, it is, it is chaos, and you, you also have the benefit of seeing, you know, some bucks that you never have seen before as well. Yeah, no, man, I, uh, which again, uh, we'll loop back here in a minute for introductions because we got off track, but um, I remember last year I was talking to a buddy from down south, and, and uh, it was the middle of our rut, and I was like, dude, I saw like 16 bucks this morning. He's like, you didn't shoot one? <laughs> And I'm like, you don't understand Kansas, man. They'll be running through the woods at, at 40 mile an hour. I mean, just <laughs> tail, I mean, it, hauling through the woods. And it's the one time a year that you're going to hear that buck coming before you see it. I mean, it seems yeah. like any other time of the year, they, they surprise you. And I had a hunt probably three years ago, and I thought a dog was coming in because it was panting so hard. 
and this beat up 10 point missing half his antlers comes in. I mean, I could hear him panting just like he had run a marathon comes in, comes right underneath me, goes down by the draw and just lays down in the water. And I thought maybe he'd been shot. I didn't see anything. And about two minutes later, he gets back up, gets out of the water and just kind of moves on and keeps, keeps on his path. It was the wildest thing. Yeah. I mean, you see some crazy stuff, man. And I think, I think what it is, is, you know, in Kansas, there's, there's so little timber, uh, at least in a lot of places that, that you just see them, you know, if you're hunting a field that you see them just running and gunning through these fields. And, and, and I mean, it's just, it's an insane time to be in the woods. Um, but it's also, like I said, that, that week leading up to pre-rut, is my favorite time to hunt because you can really get bucks to respond well to grunts and rattles and, and decoys. And, and, uh, so I really love that early time that, that first, you know, the 31st to like the seventh or eighth, I'm cold calling like every 30 minutes. And, and it's, mm-hmm. it's insane. The amount of deer that I have come in off a cold call of a grunt. And, and man, I grew up, you know, with a dad that taught me silent, 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 silence, be quiet, be quiet, don't move. And, uh, and so I remember, um, I remember like deciding, well, I'm going to start cold calling and, you know, just thinking to myself, like, this is so wrong. Like you shouldn't be doing this. You're going to scare off so many deer that's just right around the corner. And, uh, and then it was just an, an incredible response. And, and I understand different States are, are, are different. I understand they don't function that way all the time, but, you know, I've experienced it in Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Kansas, a little bit in Arkansas. And, and that first, the pre-rut, man, they will respond so well to calls. And I find myself, you know, you hit that grunt call and then two minutes later, you've got a buck underneath your stand. It's crazy. Yeah. You got to be ready. It's crazy, man. Now we, we did get off track. We've got Brian Butcher, um, which if you don't know who Brian Butcher is, get out from underneath your rock. Dude holds the number two archery deer in the world. An insane deer. One of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. I got to meet him at the Pope and Young Convention this year. I got to see that deer in person and just an incredible, an incredible buck. Um, so if you haven't seen the buck, um, then welcome to the hunting world um, because I don't know how you missed it. Uh, but the thing had a bush on its head. Um, Brian, run me through the story of, of that buck because... Uh, I heard it one time and it was actually pretty comical the way it went down with your buddies uh, having to go do something else and not get in the hunt. Uh, so yeah. walk me through the story of that giant, man. Yeah. I. It was a kind of a strange year in the sense that I usually hunt with uh, two of my buddies, Luke and Clint. That summer had been busy. Usually we're out doing a bunch of work and stuff, moving stands, prepping, things like that. We hadn't really done it that summer. And so we had gone out. October 2nd, I believe. And the idea is we we're just going to kind of put in an observation sit basically to just try to do some scouting out there. And while we were out there, Clint ended up dropping a plastic tub of uh, some of his calls off the four wheeler. And um, anyway, he lost him. He was wanting to get back out there and another October and the cold front was coming in and we go from probably an average high of 70 mid October. And the high was probably, I think it was high fifties. The lows were down into the forties, not cold, cold, but a drastic enough change. And so I was able to get out 
on Friday, October 11th, and I met Clint. We went out and we we found his calls, and I had plans to hunt that afternoon. Clint had to go back for a softball, what do you say, a bonfire or something. And my plans were to hunt in a draw over some acorns. And when we went to go get his calls and we were close enough to look, cattle had got out of the pasture and they were all over where I had intended to hunt. And so we go over to another area, kind of the opposite end of the property. And we had moved a stand uh, that week before when we were out there, but we hadn't trimmed any shooting lanes. So Clint goes over there and he helped me trim out some shooting lanes and you know, wasn't thinking much of it being the first hunt of the year and he ends up leaving. I ended up staying in the stand where we had trimmed out those shooting lanes. And I mean, it was probably 20 minutes into my hunt and had a buck come in and he kind of milled around. He was actually eating some of the leaves off of the limbs that we had trimmed down. He worked out of the way and next thing I know, uh, you, if you haven't seen the deer, you got to see it because it <laughs> doesn't look like it doesn't look like what you're expecting to come walking through the woods. But it was basically a spike buck, and then this buck came in, and I didn't have any true history with this buck. But anyway, he starts working closer to me, and I probably saw him for the first time at 45 to 60 yards. And as he came in, he ended up turning, and he was about 25 yards away from me, and I kind of realized that those were antlers because it doesn't look like your typical frame by any means and got a broadside shot at 25 yards, let it go. I was excited. I wasn't sure what I was going to walk up to. And anyway, I waited probably 15 minutes, which I was, I was ready to climb down as soon as I shot it just because I felt pretty confident about the shot. And anyway, I get down and, tracked him about 50 yards and still really didn't know what I had by any means. But, uh, you know, you spend your couple of minutes there just with the deer. And then I took a picture of it and probably ran the whole way back 800 yards back to my truck and called an uncle and, uh, he came over and helped get it out. And it was cool that he was there and, uh, helped me get it out and anyway, field dressed it and took it back to some buddy's house and ended up going through and butchering the deer the rest of the way that night and it was pretty cool I mean we were all just sitting around in awe of what it was clueless of what it was and it was probably the next day or two I start going through trail camera pictures and sure enough I had a picture of that buck in April I believe it was the 25th I had two pictures of him and looked like a small balloon growing out of one side and the other side looked like the typical golf ball early size growth on it and um, yeah that was that was the only true history I had with it I don't know if it lived on the neighbor's property or what but uh, it's a, it's a strange one now did so you you or your friends really never had any kind of encounters with this deer before no, and nobody that I've talked to in the area had ever seen it. I kind of wonder if something happened last year as he shed, like there was some pedicle yeah. damage. Because the one pedicle was just incredible. I mean, it was over, the first circumference isn't measured there, but if you were to go off what I would consider the burr, 
it was it was over 12 inches around on one side. I mean, it was just an absolute explosion on one side. And it's insane, man. <laughs> it's insane. It is. It looks and like I mean, a bush. I, I mean, it looks it, like a bush that, of bone. That's the. <laughs> that's that's probably the best way to describe it. And. It, you talk to shed fanatics and they're like, you never found a shed. And it's like, you wouldn't even know it was a shed if you saw it, you yeah, know, if no. that truly grew that way the year before, which, like I said, I, the way he's so lopsided, I just believe that something happened. I mean, some sort of injury and he didn't just grow that way every year. At what point were you like, holy crap, dude, this is like, this needs to be seen by, the books like this is something special you know what i mean yeah it's maybe slightly embarrassing but even that night i i didn't have a clue and you know we weren't even talking about record books we were just in awe that you could count it five times and every time you counted it you'd count more points it, it yeah it's 67 points on that thing and i mean there's a handful that are not scorable that are not long enough but I mean, it, we were just in awe, and it was honestly not until that Wednesday my boss had got back into town. He was out antelope hunting, and, you know, he he hadn't seen it in person. I mean, he was in shock when he had seen pictures of it, but uh, he was like, hey, I'll bring in my tape after lunch, and, you know, let's tape this up, and we taped it up. Yeah, and, good luck. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I it was it was all his expertise as far as you know and he still had lots of questions like anybody would but i mean i i was not knowledgeable enough to go about it but we scored we scored it i think we had like 340 something gross and 316 net or something like that i mean we we added up the score sheet these i mean if we're 67 points I think it's like 85 measurements total with circumferences. I mean, there's a lot to it, but we added it up. And I mean, at that time I was like, I don't know if I was, I don't want to say I was less excited, but then it was like, Oh God, you know, (laughs) this is something way bigger than I ever imagined. And, you know, would have thought, and it's like, well, and, and, you can't wrap your mind around how many points there are and how, I mean, you can't look at that deer and, and even begin to guess, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's mind boggling. And I mean, I'll be the first one to say that that night that I shot it, I mean, I was thinking I had a 225 inch buck. I mean, uh, and I was way off on that, but it, unless somebody's scored an animal like that, I don't think you're going to look at that and, be anywhere in the range of a ballpark guess no no well i remember i got to be present at the pope and young panel when they measured it and so how it works at panel is there's two teams of three that have to measure each animal and it took both teams of three about eight hours a piece to measure that thing so you're talking 16 hours alone just at panel to confirm what the official measurement already was and i mean so you're looking at you're looking at 30 hours of measuring put into this one deer and and it's insane the amount of 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 work they put into measuring that deer what was the official score come out to be 343 and 4 eighths was the gross and 321 and 3 eighths is the net 
you know, I understand like people, you might hear that number and be like, wow, those, you were quite a bit off, but that's not far off for an animal like that. I can promise you that because you could pick just a couple mm-hmm. different points and go a couple different ways and be off that quick. So, so kudos to you guys, because that's actually pretty stinking close. Don't, don't include me in that. It's Brian Crow, my boss, but <laughs> <laughs> I was just present and I was writing down numbers. Yeah. So you're telling me but, we were uh, just talking about the October Lowell and you killed the number two archery deer in October. October 11th. Yeah. Yeah. So and I listen, mean, it, people, be in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be in the woods. Don't go to a gala and don't go to a softball bonfire. Yeah. Shout out to your busters of friends who, who missed out on an opportunity. But listen, I heard a man tell me this one time in, in conversation about the Lowell. He said, well, just because it's October don't mean deer quit eating. It don't mean they quit drinking and they still have to have somewhere to bed. So you can still hunt deer just as successfully in October as you can in September or November. You just have to change the way you hunt a little bit. Uh, and so for me, I really focus on cold fronts and I really focus on trying to find water. Um, and if you do those two things, I mean, you you can still find the deer in October. They, they still have to live. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you're right about, you know, keep it simple. Don't try to overcomplicate it and go, go to where, you know, either, you know, where they're bedding, you know, where they need to eat or, you know, where they need to drink. Yeah. Now, before we move on, I do, I've got one of the newest sponsors of the show and I have absolutely fallen in love with their platform. It is HuntWise. I absolutely love HuntWise for two reasons uh, over other mapping services and that is their rut cast and their hunt predictions um those have really over the last two months uh opened my eyes to a lot of things um because you can in one place i can look at all my different tree stands and look at different winds and look at at different you know barometric pressures and temperatures and you know what stands going to be the best or you know when i'm deciding between do i go hunt oklahoma this weekend or hunt kansas this weekend i can look at, at the the predictions for the two and and really help me decide where I should be hunting that set. And so it really helps me uh, manage my time in the woods a whole lot better, even outside of the the very, very um, incredible maps they have. And, and obviously I could I could talk for, forever about the 3D maps and how, how awesome that is. But um, let me jump in there r- real quick, because believe it or not, that app was, I think it was brand new that year, but it was HuntWise app that I was looking at the week before on that cold front. And I was telling my buddies, I was like, it's a five-star day. It's a first one, I think. And, you know, trying to convince Luke that he needs to be out there hunting. And, you know, he was telling me it was something else, but you're right. And the, the maps that they have and the way that they show the wind current or the wind drift, because you can put all your stands inside of there uh, on the map and then see where the scent's going to be blowing. I think that's one of the greatest features. Absolutely. Now, listen, if Brian Butcher uses HuntWise, that's what I'm going to use, too. So, uh, guys, go check out HuntWise. You can use code HUNT101, all caps, HUNT101, and you'll get 20% off of HuntWise. But you have to do that online. You can't get that through the app because you can't put in a discount code. So go online to HuntWise.com, code HUNT101, all caps, for 20% off. It is an incredible platform. You can test it out for seven days free. And then that code will get you 20% off your total. 
And obviously it works because Brian Butcher has the number two archery whitetail in the world because of HuntWise prediction. So go check them out. Um, how has, what has changed? We, we got to talk briefly a while back about just kind of the whirlwind of going to shows and traveling around with this deer uh, after having harvested it. How's, how's all that been, man? It's fun, but it also kind of takes away from, you know, that, that time away from family. And it's like, you know, I'm kind of glad to be past some of that stuff in the sense that I don't have to allocate time towards that stuff. And it's fun and it's a blast, but it, again, it's an opportunity cost and I'd much rather be in the woods. You got to meet some pretty, pretty, pretty incredible people though. Absolutely. And I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I, I mean, I'm, lucky in that sense that I got to do it. And I got to do a lot of it with my buddies that I hunt with. And we had a blast, met people we never would have met. Uh, got to hear some good stories. And uh, yeah, it, like I said, I wouldn't trade it for the world, but um, it's good to be past it and, you know, be able to set my own priorities and not have any true obligations. Who is the coolest person you got to meet? Well, you, of course, but uh, number two on that list. (laughs) Number, no, uh, man, Michael Waddell is cool as heck, if you ask me. Uh, That was pretty cool to meet him. Uh, You know, got to meet the the one that got me first. So the first show I went to after this deer was the ATA show. And I showed up, I think it was Wednesday night, got in like two in the morning go down the next day and get set up in the booth and everything's good, but it's still pretty slow and early. So we kind of take a walk and we're just walking around the place. And I look over to the right and see Mark and Terry Drury. And I felt like a little girl at a concert in the sense that I couldn't hardly speak to him, but I asked him for a picture. (laughs) And I mean, I was starstruck. That was the first time I'd ever met a, celebrity in my eyes if that makes any sense i mean that was the first hour of the ata show and the guys were just nice as can be i'm embarrassed about it just because like i said i could barely even talk but uh that was that was pretty cool i mean there the list is probably endless but uh yeah it, it so many good opportunities you know i'll say this the first time i got starstruck and i i think it's just because the way i was raised um but but man i grew up in a house uh, where my dad absolutely loved chuck adams uh everything about chuck you know he shot a hoyt because of chuck he shot easton because of chuck um i mean he just loved chuck you know read his book saved his articles and i'll never forget my phone ringing it said no caller id and at first i was like stinking scammers you know Mm -hmm. um but I, and I answered it just off of a whim. I, I usually don't answer that kind of stuff. And I answered it, and he says, hey, is this Dylan? And I said, yes. And he says, this is Chuck Adams. And I literally about fell up out my chair. Uh-huh. And uh, and I, I was actually at my folks' house, and so I kicked my phone on speaker, and my he kept talking, and my dad was flipping through the channel. He stopped flipping, looks away from the TV, and looked at me, and his jaw dropped. <laughs> oh, I, I couldn't even imagine. Yeah. I I was really hoping Chuck was going to make it to the convention. I, you know, I've read his books and everybody's read his articles. And I mean, the, the man is a legend. It was, it was bad. Um, you know, I understand his, his grandmother, his wife's grandmother, one of the two, she was really 
you know, go out and take care of her. But, but I've also yeah. got to hear from him and, you know, how much he wanted to be at the convention. And, um, but sure he'll be at the next one. So, yeah. Yeah. What is, uh, what do you got? This fall? You were breaking up, but I think you were asking about this fall. Yeah. What do you got planned for this fall? We've been out at least on a weekly basis and, you know, just kind of watching things and trying to hunt a little bit, but, uh, yeah, this fall, I'm just going to be staying around Kansas and, you know, chasing the whitetails. Um, buddy's got some property family's got some, and I, I've got one buck that, uh, snuck through last year that I was after and found a shed in the spring and, uh, really, really trying to target him. I haven't had a whole lot of pictures of him, but uh, I feel like things are starting to break loose. The, bucks are starting to get out of bachelor groups and uh you know as the colder weather comes along hopefully i'll get uh, some daylight action with that guy man i feel like i've been energized since that buck and yeah i know that i'll never i've never gone into the woods with any expectation of any score i mean i you put it in the record book to honor the animal, to document it for history and for conservation's sake, but you don't put it in there to get your name in there, in my opinion. And so I, I, I'm not worried one bit about shooting a smaller buck. And I mean, I get the right eight pointer to come in front of me. I'm going to be ecstatic. Now I don't ask this and, and, and you know, my heart behind it. I don't ask this in any kind of negative way. Um, but I ask you because I really do. I have a young man um, who I, who is struggling with it as well. And you would probably, you would recognize the buck if I was to show you it was killed here in Wellington um, a few years back. But knowing that you may never kill a deer as big as the one you've killed already, how do you kind of keep the excitement behind the hunt? You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I I feel like I said I just feel more and more energized and excited and man this time of year I get a little bit giddy and it's tough to concentrate at work it's you know trying to balance the home life and keeping the wife and kids happy and you know still trying to get out and do what you absolutely love. I love it man. No I I absolutely love that answer. Um because if you're thinking that the record book is about you you are sadly mistaken my friend. Um, the record book is to honor that animal and to put it in with its peers and to show, uh, just how, how magnificent of an animal was harvested. And, you know, it, it doesn't have anything to do with you. And that's why, you know, I, I respect those guys. I, I have friends of mine who, who put their initials in or just, you know, their last name and, you know, they don't want the recognition, but they still want their animal to be recognized amongst their peers. And that's yeah. what it's all about. Yeah. And so I absolutely love that answer. Now, before I ask you this next question, I was absolutely ecstatic today. Um, somebody reached out and said, hey, man, I've been listening to the podcast, and I love the tips that, you're, that your guests give and that you give. And he said, I took to heart your advice on peeing from your tree stand. And I'm like, good. And the, I, I responded back, you know, laughing face, that's awesome. And he said, I pee out of my tree stand as much as I can now, and I just sent like laughing faces. And then like five minutes later, he sent me a picture of a buck that was dead. And he said, yeah, I shot this minutes after being from my tree stand. And I'm like, bingo, dude. That's what it's all about. Um, so, guys, uh, I, I, I would highly encourage you, if you listen to this podcast, uh, send me your success photos. I love to see them. 
I love to see success and be able to share in, in your excitement of your success. If you have any tips and tricks of your own, please feel free to send them over to me. Uh, Instagram at average underscore sportsman or email them to me at the hunting one on one podcast at gmail.com. I would love to hear your tips and tricks, but I also love to hear from my guests their tips and tricks. So, Brian, if you have if you've learned one little tip or trick over the years that I can take and put in my back pocket, what would it be? Everybody knows kind of the basics and the wind is probably the the biggest challenge for a hunter, in my opinion, especially when it can change. And, you know, we talked about on the Pope and Young podcast, as far as, you know, what's the one thing you take in your pocket. And that was before hunting season. And I kind of realized as hunting season's going on, the one thing that I've been doing every hunt this year, and I've done it in years past, but as I walk past a cedar tree, I'm breaking off a few limbs and putting those in my pocket just as, you know, maybe it's a gimmick. Maybe it has nothing to do with anything, but I just feel like getting some true natural scent, you know, is you get it on your hands, you get it, you know, put it in your pockets, that sort of thing. Um, anything to help with your scent is all I would say. Um, yeah. And I love the, the peeing out of the stand, I probably pee more in the scrapes than out of my stand if I can, you know, make it to my scrape. But, uh, yeah, I've, and maybe it was one of yours, but somebody was saying that urine's like 85% ammonia, same thing with deer. Yeah. No, I, uh, years back, I heard that put out by, um, at the time, um, at the time it was, you know, now it's the NDA National Deer Association. Oh, QDMA. Um, QDMA, which now, of course, is the NDA, but but they put out an article saying that, you know, 85% of your pee is ammonia, and then within a matter of minutes, it's 100% ammonia, um, which is the same as deer. So within a matter of minutes, all they smell is urine. Uh, mm -hmm. They don't know that it came from you. All they smell is urine. Um, and so, yeah, man, I – and, and uh, again, gimmick as it might be, I don't know. Um, but, but I've had deer where I truly believe they came in because they heard me peeing, like they heard it hitting the ground yeah. and it sounded like a deer peeing. Um, and, and again, gimmick as it might be, but I'm also a believer in, in like you said, um, breaking off <laughs> limbs and I'd rub it on my pants. I'd rub it on my shirt. Yeah. Um, my, my dad actually will take and, and brush around the shooting rail of his tree stand, um, in cedar. And that's how he, he puts cedar all around the shooting rail of his he'll zip tie limbs around the, the shooting rail of his, of his tree stand. Mm -hmm. And not to say that products aren't good by any means, but man, how can you beat natural scent versus something that's not in their environment? I mean, I just feel like that's the best thing you can do. It's a great tip, my friend. It, it really is. And, and I believe it's not only, I, I don't believe it's gimmick. I believe it's proven um you know over and over and over again you know because they used to not have products and and guys used to used to you know store their totes with cedar in them and used to 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 put trash their clothes and trash bags with cedar in them and that's what they used as cover up mm -hmm. uh, so i believe time tested and proven um so so great tip man and, and i do believe that there's people out there who, who might not have ever tried it and and again i i stay as scent free as possible i wash my clothes and i you know, I run a scent lock ozone bag and, and, and I spray down before I go in. 
but I'm just like Brian. I will always grab that and rub it on my hands um, and it, and rub it on my on my clothes. I rub it on my boots. I rub it. Uh, I, I'll rub it on my backpack, on my bino harness. Um, I can't say that I put it in my pockets, but um, I, I will certainly start because, well, heck, if Brian Butcher does it, it works. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, hopefully a listener calls in and has success with that. Absolutely, guys. If if you try that and you find that that you find success with it, let us know, man. That 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 made my day when somebody said, "Hey, I took your advice and it worked." Um, that meant everything in the world to me. So so shout out to Jeremy um, for sending that in to me um, because that was just awesome. Made my day. Uh, before we go, I do got to give a quick thank you to our friends over at NZ Campers. Um, they are purpose built campers by hunters for hunters. They are phenomenal. Did you get to see one at convention? Oh yeah, we were all drooling over it, and I mean, sitting there contemplating who's buying it. You know, it. Oh uh, man, they are they are amazing. They have so many features built in for hunters with boot dryers and meat storage and scent free cabinets and and from what I've been told, I think they're going to start uh, offering the scent lock ozone closet in the builds, um, which. I mean, that's just incredible. So guys, go check out NZ Campers um, because they are they are phenomenal and they are built to do what they're what they're built to do, and that's hunt and go out and get in the woods and be successful in the woods. So go check out NZ Campers, guys. Brian, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, it was a real pleasure. Um, it was a pleasure to get to meet you at convention. Congrats on an incredible deer. I know it was a couple years back, uh, but congrats on an incredible deer, man. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure talking with you, and hopefully uh, we'll be talking about successes after this season. Yes, we still need to get together, man, and shoot bows and have a cookout or something. Yeah. I'm, I, uh, I would absolutely love that and, uh, and, and love to get to just hang out and, and uh, yeah. talk hunting with you. But, but, guys, thank you so much for listening. You guys have a great week, and good luck this fall. Make sure and send those success photos in. Make sure and send those, those field notes in and those tips and tricks that you have that I could share with the listeners. Y'all have a great week and good luck this fall. Thanks, Dylan.